BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, welcome back to the Barbell Medicine Podcast. I'm Dr. Feigenbaum. I'm joined here with Dr. Baraki. This is another Q&A episode. And we like doing these things. Episodes. Episodes, potentially. Uh, We have a lot of questions to get through. So we're going to have a slightly different different format this time. Uh, What I will do is I will play moderator. The first tank top wearing moderator that the internet has ever seen. And uh, I will read the question. I'm going to give Dr. Baraki one minute to respond. I have a timer on my screen. Hopefully this shows up on YouTube. And then uh, I'll give myself one minute to respond. It doesn't mean we're going to take opposing sides. However, that would make things interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But first, first, Austin, uh, how's it going, man? It's going all right. Uh, life has gotten much better since I finished in the CCU, and I'm back to the land of the living, people who are awake during the day and asleep at night, unlike you, I hear. Yeah, I have 10 days left in the intensive care unit. You know, it's funny, uh, it's actually not funny at all, but <laughs> I, somebody asked me, this female uh, asked me, you know, where I worked, what I did, and I told her I was in the MICU, which is medical intensive care unit, uh, which just refers to adults in the ICU, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you mean the NICU, thinking that I was like an autocorrect. And I'm like, no, that's neonatal intensive care yeah. unit. Uh, and, she, and then she, and I was like, not to be confused with the PICU or the SICU, so the pediatric intensive care unit or the surgical intensive care unit. This is just medicine. Mm-hmm. And for me, I confuse NICU all the time because I've even heard some people in our place refer to the neuro ICU, like for adults with strokes, as NICU. But I'm, you know, used to thinking about it in the context of neonatal as well. So there's yeah. there's way too many acronyms for there's, different types of ICUs out there. So I think there's just. Best to stay out of them. Best to stay out. Yeah, I think if, yeah, if, if you can avoid them. I, yeah, there's too many ICUs. That's true. Yes. Um, <laughs> training, training is going okay? Training is, yeah, it's getting much better. Um, it seems like my tendons are uh, cooperating for the moment, and I'm slowly trying to build some momentum. Signed up for a meet at the end of September that I'm looking forward to uh, attacking. And uh, I think you probably saw that. Lorraine trained for about four weeks, training twice a week and squatted 315, so I'll just go end it right now. Yeah, I think, you know, basically (laughs) this is what happens when you have a person who's got a a storied athletic background, good genetic underpinnings, who gets exposed to good training methods, 
they show us all what rapid, rapid progress uh, looks like. Um, yeah. and, and Lorraine weighs what? She's like 95 pounds now? <laughs> she's rebounded a little bit since intern year, so she's back around a 63 kilo. She, she's in the ju- training weight. Yeah. She's in the sub junior <laughs> weight classes. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it was interesting just to see because um, you know in med school we were training much. She was training much more regularly and trained for consistently for about 18 months or so. And at the time, I think her all-time best squat was 303, and it wasn't a particularly slow 303. She had more in the tank, but she just never actually, you know, hit more than that. And so, literally, probably no more than like eight training sessions coming off of like nights, just like where she didn't wasn't able to train at all, and then she just tosses up 315. It's just like, what the hell? Yeah, she takes like months of deloads, and then. <laughs> so there, there you go. It just means she's due. Right. This yeah. like this reminds me of actually, you know, uh, the Cardinals were in a World Series, um, or, or it was that, or like a division series, and it was like Game Seven. Jim Edmonds was the guy. He was like our outfielder, and he would, but he would go on these crazy slumps where he'd be like O and twenty something, and everyone's like, <laughs> ah, freaking Edmonds again, you know. And so this is like, you know, you want to pinch hit for him, but then you're like, you know, he's pretty good batter sometimes, but he was like at for like O and seventeen or something like that. And, uh, you know, Jimba, uh, the, the announcers were saying, you know, the one thing that you can, you can say about Edmonds right now is that uh, he's due. He's due. And sure enough, you know. Statistically. Hit, yeah. yeah, he hits a dinger and uh, we move on. So she was due for, for some PRs and I think that mm-hmm. just, it's uh, good for our depression. Um, all right, last, last uh, two intro questions, kind of unrelated to our podcast. What was, what's been the craziest thing that you've diagnosed uh, in, the past, uh, in the past two weeks? Oh, geez. So I'm currently on an inpatient HIV service, so that's where I see all the weird, crazy stuff uh, that people get when they don't have an immune system, basically. So um, I think I can think of a few different examples, I suppose. So, you know, one gentleman who... Uh, was traveling from overseas, came in simultaneously with uh, with malaria as well as uh, Yersinia, E. coli, and uh, and Giardia, all in his gut. So four simultaneous different infections. So that was one example. Sounds bad. Seen diffuse uh, cerebral toxoplasmosis. I've uh, seen. Let's see. Multiple cases of pneumocystis, of course, that's like getting to be routine at this point. Uh, cryptococcal meningitis and multiple cases, just just kind of stuff like that that you don't see in any other sort of patient, but it becomes routine on this sort of service. So somewhere kind goal, of things that we're seeing. Golian's taking his shirt off right now. Yeah. <laughs> and for the uh, the uninitiated, Golian is a uh, it's a lecture series that most medical students will listen to during, right before they take step one, which is many years ago for you and I, but. Uh, his voice rings in your ears when you're taking the test. And so you hear cryptococcus and he's broad brace buds. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the craziest thing that I diagnosed was Chagas. Yeah. Well, apparently the place that I was working is the Center for Excellence. So that actually happens. Trypanosoma, whatever it is. In any event, glad, glad, glad it doesn't have to do with us. Uh, and then are you, what are you reading right now? Oh, geez. So I'm currently deep in the literature of uh, basically gene expression um, in the context of resistance training, endurance training, and how they influence gene expression. I have so many like simultaneous projects going on that I actually have not been able to keep up with uh, leisure reading because leisure I have the reading. started start and strength 
coaches conference coming up soon and I'm preparing the presentation or part of the panel presentation on the topic for that. So uh, free time is being taken up by reading on gene, that gene expression and tissue level adaptations to these training methods. So big topics. Sure, sure. I assume most of these are modifiable with uh, stretching and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, mobility wad induced uh, mTOR expression. I think. That's right, that PIK3 is maximally yes. repressed with... <laughs> okay, so again, just as a reminder, here's the format. I play moderator. I'm going to give both of us a minute on the clock to respond to all of your fantastic questions. I apologize in advance for the snark but that's just our personalities at baseline. So there's also personalities plus the fact that many of these questions we probably discussed in some form previously. So we'll do our best to be nice and uh, not do things that make people think we're super smug and assume people's genders and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Also, don't be a misogynist and uh, okay. <laughs> other, other various accusations. Sure. All right. Three, two... One, we've got a minute to win it. Here we go. All right. So first question is from Tom Calliere. What is the tastiest piece of beef? Ooh. Uh, so there's a lot to choose from here. Um, I typically tend to go for ribeyes. We actually, when I took that picture today, we actually ended up buying some sirloins, grilling them up. I think a good value steak for people who need something like that is if you can find a Denver cut. That's another actually good tasty cut of meat. John Denver piece. Um, but yeah, I really, uh, I really enjoy a good ribeye. So. I am more of a, well, and this is no surprise that I have a fancier cut of beef that I prefer is the Wagyu. Uh, Excuse steak. me. <laughs> well, you know, and the thing was I was having, the first time I had it, I was having dinner with Mike Tuchere, right? And so I all I see is market price next to the thing. And yeah. uh, I'm like, oh yeah, it's probably not so bad. And I'm like, they're like, oh, what are you getting? I'm getting the Wagyu. Uh, and then the waiter comes over, and he and I was like, oh, I'd like the Wagyu. He goes, oh, great. So it's $33 an ounce, three ounce minimum. <laughs> I'm like, oh. and I already committed myself to the Wagyu. So it's like, what's the you know smallest piece of meat that I can get without looking terrible? So I was like, yo, let me get eight ounces of the Wagyu. I'm on macros, bro. I'm on macros. I'm trying to. <laughs> so word of the wise, don't do that. Yeah. All right, um, next next question. Uh, is not a question. So we're going to, I like that people ask, it's just statements like plant-based diet, how it affects strength training. Like, yeah. Right. Not a question or stretching, foam rolling, etc. Turns out not a question. Uh, all right. Let's see. Why do you guys think start, uh, strength and conditioning coaches for big professional sports teams, especially football and soccer are so uninterested or against getting their athletes to do some heavy barbell training? Uh, that's a good question. It's something that has been discussed at length, kind of in the, at least by Rip and Al in the starting strength community. I think it depends on the sport for sure. Um, but there's a whole lot, I mean, coming from a comp different competitive sport myself, one of the biggest reasons is really going to be tradition. Um, I saw lots of our training methods, our programming, stuff like that. When I swam, the strength and conditioning we did was a lot of it just seemed like the tradition thing that they've done for the longest time. And, and it was hard for them to wrap their minds around, you know, leaving that tradition that has produced some of the greatest athletes in the sport that they've seen perform previously to try something seemingly new and experimental that seems less specific to their sport, since a lot of them are of the mindset that 
the training that they do even outside of the context of their sport needs to be sport specific. So I think those are probably some of the two of the biggest factors contributing here is kind of tradition and the desire to maintain as much sport specificity as possible, which is another whole other topic that we've kind of discussed at length elsewhere. At least that's what I saw personally. Allow me to play devil's advocate. Um, I assumed so, that would be the case. Well, so you consider the people at the top end of sport, particularly like football, for instance. You've already selected for, you know, the bad, the baddest of the bad, right? Um, so you can make the argument that some of these folks are, may be strong enough relative to their cohort of other players. And what I mean by that, if you agree that nobody's going to, you know, continue to get stronger in the professional ranks mm-hmm. at the particular position, then you don't necessarily need to select for increased strength. And you've already selected for super explosive folks. And so I think what you have in the, the strength conditioning folks' minds is that it's just a risk-benefit. And in their brains, you know, squatting, benching, deadlifting, pressing, whatever, uh, particularly for high-end strength gains, uh, may in their brains uh, be, you know, have too much risk uh, mm-hmm. compared to benefit. Although, again, if you really analyze this, that's not necessarily the case. So my overall... Uh, sense is that you are correct convention and then um you know what is everybody else doing right i think riffs mentioned something along those lines before we said well as long as everybody agrees not to do this then (laughs) then it's fine to continue along that yeah in in football we need more james harrisons you know but the average length of like the football career is you know i thought it was less than three years on average you know and you could actually make the argument that lack of strength uh potentially uh is 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 contributing to or lack of continued strength development or, or maintenance even is, is contributing to this injury epidemic that's taking people yeah, out of the league. Maybe, yeah. Could be. I haven't seen the, the study. Yeah. Oh, the, here's the joke, the ortho joke, you know. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, what do you, so, no, what do you call two orthopedists and an EKG? Oh, that's a, that's a double-blind study, man. Everybody knows that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the kind of jokes that internal medicine people like to tell. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, ortho's like, yeah, I just, I'm off work, though. Where are you guys at? Okay. Um, this is from Mr. Flores. Three top things that an intermediate should consider to do to continue making progress after linear... Pro- so, just as an aside, this person lumped in linear progression, heavy, light, medium, etc. Yeah. Yeah, so those are not things that can be lumped in. Uh, if you're, if, I think we need to be more kind of, we need to delineate what what period of time we're talking about more specifically. But let's assume that you're saying that the things that you can do to continue making progress after you finish your linear progression. And I mean, in my mind, the biggest things, and, and they're kind of like things that are probably easier said than done, but in general, regardless of where you are in your training period, uh, where you are in your training advancement, uh, consist training consistency, staying healthy, uh, things like that are like going to be the most important to long-term progress, right? Avoiding injury and getting back and staying in the gym. When you're in the gym, especially after you finish the linear progression, you need to get out of your mind that you need to be grinding the shit out of your last heavy work reps routinely as you were at the end of your LP. You need to not be afraid to add more training volume, potentially at a, at a lower intensity. You need to be not, you need, you need to not be afraid to add additional frequency when warranted on particular lifts when they're not moving. There's nothing magic about uh, doing sets of five reps. You can potentially vary the number of reps you're doing. We've talked about all these things before at length. 
uh, we've said that exercise variation is not the tool of the inter of the novice to make progress, but this is the land where it can start to be come into play. So don't be afraid to manipulate other training variables once you get to pass the your novice learning progression phase. Yeah, I think the staying healthy, being consistent, always showing up no matter what um, is probably the biggest thing. And then the the second thing uh, I would say, or like the next sort of level would uh would probably be in agreement with your thing don't grind don't grind everything out it's just not going to be productive for long-term training and then i I would finally say that uh you're sort of you need to have some guided practice or deliberate practice where someone's guiding you along the way because they're just going to shut they're going to cut down that learning curve Mm -hmm. so i think if you have the means and you have the access to some a good coach you should definitely use that and if you're not effectively you're uh, uh, limiting uh, your progression rate so especially especially if you're older and you don't have that kind of time yeah also around exactly it's not just yeah it's not just about trying hard sometimes you need uh, you know consultation um okay let's see barbells of bacon asks when you guys say the texas method sucks does that apply to template the templates in the 12 ways to skin the texas method article that i wrote well this is your article let me let you answer this one yeah uh no (laughs) well because because i wrote it in order to give people options for the texas method style programming that actually comport with you know what we know to to work um for for strength progression and i would further say you know People have been saying for years now, or a long time now, that Texas Method is a young man's program, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I would actually make the argument that even for a young man, it's not optimal. So, for 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 any particular outcome, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. This is we're, uh, so, Doctor Baraki. How do you work around a tight schedule and still get training in? Uh, make it work. <laughs> it's it's hard to it's hard to really give a very satisfying answer to that. But I mean, when my work hours get longer, I kind of am more deliberate with the kind of things that I spend my time on. Uh, I don't, I waste less time in a day, even though I probably don't waste that much time as it is, but I end up getting myself, uh, home as soon as I can into the gym. As soon as I can, after that, I'll shorten my rest periods. That might mean that the intensity, the weight on the bar might have to go down. That might mean that I might not hit the weights that I was, you know, hoping to hit otherwise, but the idea is that I need to get the training, some form of the training stress in as close as I can to the intended training stress. Um, and so then you need to be flexible. If you need to split up a workout and get some of the work that you had planned in on a different day, you know, that's fine. You know, that people ask us these questions like, what do I, you know, what do I do? Do I, do I just ignore the rest of the work? Do I put it off to another day? Do I just, it's like, if you can fit it in, it's better than not doing it right. Training is better than not training. So, um, I mean, there's literally a period during this, during my CCU month where I got home and I did eight sets of five on the squat, supersetted with eight sets of five on the bench because I have three racks in my garage gym. So I could go between the two racks and I got 16 working sets done in about 45 minutes. Yeah. I was basically, as they say in CrossFit land, like redlining the whole time. My heart rate was up. I wasn't feeling awesome, but I got all that work in more work than people will do in a regular Texas method volume day workout. But I did it in 45 minutes because I had to get the training in. So it into its well, but um, yeah, it was probably good for 800 on that day. Probably. Probably. <laughs> probably. Um, yeah. I think, you know, uh, standard stuff, 
you and I both probably end up planning when we train if we have a crazy call schedule coming mm-hmm. up. Um, you know, particularly for me when I have to travel to gyms, having a gym in your place effectively gives you no excuse to mm-hmm. miss training ever. Um, and then, and LA's traffic is terrible, so that's really why I have to end up planning a little bit more. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, you just do. And that's the simplest way to say it, is you just do. There is no excuse yeah. for missing training. Um, you know, and I don't mean that say if you're, if someone close to you passes away or you, there's like this terrible medical thing or emergency or whatever, but I, there's always going to be reasons to skip the gym and your goal is to only accept the ones, uh, <laughs> that, that are very, very severe. Um, mm-hmm. if you feel tired, if you feel a little sore, if you feel a little <laughs> sick and I don't, you know, look, you know, I'm not saying that, that you have to be like us. Uh, and you know, be go kamikaze in the gym because that's just what we love to do. But I'm just saying, there's there's going to be no um, sort of sympathy that I give for like, oh, you're busy. And, and it, again, no judgment. It's just you ask us how do you fit find time to train? You you just do it. Yeah, um, and and part of the context for this question is kind of like when people ask us, well, what should what should I weigh? to be the, you know, whatever. And we say, well, how strong do you want to be? Exactly. And so it's kind of the same situation, like how good or how strong do you want to be? If you want to be the strongest possible version of you, you have to find every reason to train and you can't be, you know, finding reasons to skip training. You need yeah. to get to the end of your training cycle and be able to look back and say, you know, I did what I planned to do and I didn't miss, a, you know, 30% of my training sessions or something ridiculous like that. So. How many training sessions do you think you missed in the last three years? Uh... One, I don't know, like not yeah. very many at all. Yeah, I don't think I missed any. I think I probably just rescheduled it to like to uh, just fit the work in exactly. elsewhere. So I don't really think I have missed any. Either. Exactly, same. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you for this interesting consult. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining me. We'll be back in the near future. And thanks for your questions, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to add two things here. Number oh. one, if you had your question answered, you are hereby required to go on iTunes and leave a review. Ooh, that'd be great. That. Yeah, anyone no, that... else, anyone else is highly encouraged to. You don't necessarily have to, but those who have their questions answered, I'm going to say you're required to. Of course, I have no way of enforcing this, but it'd be very helpful. So please do that. Yeah, and I, I think the other if, thing. Yeah, go ahead. I think if our reviews don't go up by like at least like 20, then we just we're going to know something's up. Yeah, we have to like boycott doing Instagram lives for a while <laughs> or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is that. Um, we recently announced that we're going to be doing a seminar down here in San Antonio in September. Uh, so you all should look into that and register. Come on down. We're going to be doing uh, lots of lectures in depth material on various uh, medical topics that we commonly get asked about, debunking BS as we tend to do. And you're also going to get live in-person coaching from us on the basic barbell lifts as well. So it should be a good weekend. So sign up and come down to San Antonio and visit. Yes, there is a link in my bio. It's on the Eventbrite page. And uh, we'll be pimping that thing until it sells out. So yeah, make it happen, people. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right, See you. See you later, man. Bye. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.